Pete Gass. Yes. Hey, man, we're live on the air. This is Gary and Chris from The Shoot. How are you this afternoon? How are you? We're doing we're doing terrific. Doing good, man. We want to welcome you to the show, and, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to speak with us today. Not a problem. It's my pleasure. What what uh, what what has Pete Gas been up to lately, man? Because I mean, the last time we saw you, I think was like as far as WWE was like what oh seven. You were in some battle royal. What have you been up to lately? Well, I do. Uh, I work for a, a privately owned uh, <clears throat> office supply and furniture company called WB Mason. Nice. It's the largest one in the. Uh, in the United States, privately owned. It, um, I am a sales rep there. I've been there for about a, over 11 years now. And uh, in my free time, I, I live here on the beach in Long Island. And uh, and I, I love it. And I play a lot of softball in the summertime and try to stay as active as I possibly can. Very, very cool. Um, how much of the current product are you watching today, Pete? I watch, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of SmackDown. Uh I try to I try to watch it if I'm in the house. I'm not usually we're usually busy on Friday nights, but uh, I watch Monday Night Raw religiously, and right. uh, and I also I even watch uh, I forgot the name of the Sons of the Wednesday Night Show. Uh, main event. Yeah. Main event. I try to watch some of that. I try I DVR it, and if I can watch, it, I do. Very cool. You know, uh, so much has changed. I mean, this is uh, this is kind of the obvious statement. Uh, you know, so much has changed since the time that you were there. You know, as a regular fixture on the show, and 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 how it is now. What what do you take? I mean, what what is your thought on, you know, kind of this whole this whole different era, the PG era, if you will? What's your whole take on all that? You know, I mean, I think everyone uh, in the demographics of you know in the twenties and thirties and and older. Right. You know, love the edginess of the Attitude Era. I think that was the something about it that you know the scripts were a lot different. Um, yeah, there was a little bit more sex, a lot more violence, <clears throat> and uh, you know, due to the the way things have happened over the years, and you know, with concussions, and I know I've suffered a, a ton of concussions and oh, wow. and neck injuries. So, uh, I mean, I, with all that being said, I don't I don't think you really have a choice. I think you have to go this route, and especially now with with the company being uh, a a public, publicly owned company, you know, it's on the market that uh, you have to make some changes in order to be, for it to be successful. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, and I guess, you know, when I say a lot of people, I, I really just mean like the internet crowd, Pete, you know, so many people say, you know, WWE, they could fix all their problems if they just go back, you know, they go back 15 years, hop in a time machine and let's just make it the attitude era all over again. But I, honestly, Pete, I'd love to give your take. I don't think that works in 2014. You don't think the attitude error would work now? I totally think it would. I, I think the ratings would even be higher. Really? Than they are currently. Yes. Uh-huh. I okay. Do. Wow. I, I absolutely do. Fair. Fair enough. I I, res- I respect your opinion. I mean, I, I just you know thinking about where they were, and then I'm talking more about you know where they were, and then how they've made this shift. I I'm saying I don't think they could go. I don't think they could just go right back to it. I to kind of more explain my point. Well, I think I, I so the, the wrestling industry is funny. It, I think just like you can turn a baby face into a heel in a five-minute segment, you can. I think you can do the same thing. That's that's that, that's my only argument there. I think the, if the script just got edgier, like they're not looking to go edgier. Right. They're not looking to do. They're not looking to have the violence that it was, the chair shots, the you know the you know the <clears throat> flaming tables and all that other stuff that you you saw back in that that day and age. Um, they don't need to do that anymore. Right. But I believe, I truly believe, if, if they went back to that, it would be, it, it's a double-edged sword because I don't think they would get the sponsorship that they currently have. Right. But I think they would also have, uh, 
a lot more viewers. Yeah, I, I just think if they okay, let's just say if they if they did go back that route, yeah, they're gonna have to kind of eliminate a lot of that over the top, especially chair shots to the head. I think that's number one. I mean, like I still anything that has to relate with the head, like the dive, like the flying headbutt that Daniel Bryan does. Like I just think I, in my opinion, I think he could cut that out of his act and still be as mega over as he is. But I, I think, you know, going back to the chair shots that they had, the flaming tables, like you're saying, if they, if maybe if there's a way, if they could, you know, kind of keep some of the edge stuff, maybe just more in, in the verbalization of it and in some of the wrestling, I mean, maybe it could work. Maybe I, I just don't know. I don't... I'll meet you halfway. I'll okay. meet you halfway. Let's do it. Forget the chair shots. Forget the flaming tables. Okay. Just go back to the scripts. Go back to the scripts where it actually meant something, where I feel like a storyline back then. Uh-huh. Well, I'll give you an example. When uh, the corporate ministry was involved right. and there was a higher power, it wasn't a two-week script with Vince then throwing, his, you know, throwing the, uh, the hood over his head and exposing himself to the world. It was, you know, that thing dragged on. And there was a storyline involved. It was more of a soap opera. Right. Now I feel like it's yeah. a bunch of short stories put together. And eventually, <clears throat> you find out in a couple of weeks, and then you move on to another, uh, they move on to another, you know, a storyline where, you know, one minute CM Punk's facing, uh, say, The Undertaker. Then all of a sudden he turns around and he faces Jericho or someone else. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind that, of out of that, nowhere. That whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The storylines themselves, I feel like don't, they don't drag, not that they drag on, they don't have any body to them. I feel like at times it could have a little bit more substance to it and actually play itself out and have more of a story to it to make everyone else, make make people want to come and get involved. Kind of like with uh, Stone Cold and Vince. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You knew every week. Something was going to happen. Either Vince was going to go after Stone Cold, and we wanted to see what what Stone Cold was going to do or react to it next. Yeah, I, look, oh, I, look, Pete. I, I wrote I wrote an article on on the shootonline dot com over the weekend. Uh, Jeff Jarrett put out a video. He's teasing some new promotion he's doing, and he said he felt like a boom period was coming. And I said, you know, looking at the current product of WWE, it just looked kind of flat to me. Like, I don't know how you could look at, at that and say, maybe there's this boom period coming because like, you know, for instance, they had like Alberto Del Rio and Rey Mysterio that fought like two or three weeks in a row on raw. And there's just no build up, There's no story to it. Uh, we've had former writers on this show and they've talked about, you know, kind of this week to week booking. There's no consistency. There's no long kind of drawn out story. It's just kind of, they throw these guys out like on raw and there's not any, real you know uh character development in my opinion you take a guy like kofi kingston amazing athlete but he's just smiling kofi he comes out the little fireworks go off he does his high spots we like we don't know who he is or what his purpose is you know like in the uh, you, the fans love him because of those high spots they do and his athletic ability and, how often does he actually speak you know like or, or say more than one or two lines he doesn't you know you don't know anything i don't even know if he if he's good with the mic you know, maybe he isn't. That's why they do what they do with him. But there's other guys out there that that could be great talents. Right. You know, and maybe it goes back to I read stuff. I go on the online all the time, and I read the dirt sheets and all that other stuff. And you hear comments this past week from Stone Cold, you know, challenging the talent that's there today to take it, take the bull by the balls, and literally go and 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 make something of yourself. They were they they've been saying it in that locker room since long before I was there. 
Right. If you want to be a big time, you got to come up with a character. You got to come up with it, and you got to pitch ideas. <clears throat> Unfortunately, sometimes, like I pitched an idea to Brian Gershwin uh, shortly after I was released in a way to bring me back. Right. And he ended up using that idea with the full-blooded Italians in a way that it, my, the storyline idea that I had for myself was something that I tested down in Memphis when I was there before they, they sent me to Puerto Rico. Right. And uh, I had just gotten taken off TVs, and they told us to develop new characters. I had an idea where, uh, as Mean Street Posse, we had money. I all of a sudden go into a gambling problem, uh-huh. which is something that people can relate to. It's an, it's an everyday issue. Not, it's not a drug issue. It's, you know, it has to do gambling. And I was going to start gambling on matches with the APA. Uh-huh. And I fall into debt. Oh. And then what I would do, you know, <clears throat> that's a storyline that can take it on. I could go a year with this. I could start causing feuds with other people because I try to cost people, you know, I try to go in and interfere in a match because I'm desperate because I need to win the bet against the APA. Uh-huh. And something, you know, I get into a further hole. And to take the whole storyline even a step further, I told Stephanie, I, I said that at the time Stephanie was GM, I was going to go to, I was going to be with the APA and they'd say, listen, there's a lot of money on, against you, on you against Funaki. Right. If you, if you win this, uh, if you lose this match, we're even on the debt that I would owe with the APA. Now I would leave the, I would leave their, their office. Remember their, you know, they had a door, just a door. Yeah. Room. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I would leave that and go out a real door in which Stephanie would be on the other end. And I, and I say, and Stephanie would say something to the effect of, I know there's gambling going on around here. And I know there's a, you're favored heavily in a match. Yeah. Just so you know, if, if you lose this match, you're out of WWE. Oh, wow. So now I would have a, I would have a dilemma, you know, do yeah. I get even with the APA? Do I, I, I settle up or do, do I lose my job? Uh-huh. Yeah. There was just the, there's storylines involved and that, that we don't have, I feel like as fans, we don't have that now. Who, who, you know, Pete, I mean, you've been there. Like when, you know, when you're talking about, we don't have that. I mean, who, who do you look at? Like, who would you blame? You know, is, is it the writers? Is it Vince? What do you think? I, unfortunately, I'm not there for the day-to-day, you know, day-to-day things. And I don't know who's there, or who's running things or. Right. You know, I, obviously, I'm selling off supplies. I'm not writing stuff. And there's a reason for that. Right. Yeah. You know, so they, they, they feel that they know what they're doing. I mean, they're a billion dollar company for a reason. Sure. I just, from a fan's perspective, that's just one guy's opinion. But I feel like it's a, the opinion, I'm, I'm not in the minority here. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. not at all. Yeah, I get oh, you. Oh, definitely. So I, I was, you were talking about that. I know you said you, you're, you're into, uh, you do watch the current product. You watch uh, Raw and uh, you, you do, uh, DV, you know, you record main event. I know back in the day, there weren't too many trio uh, tag teams going around. But uh, now, now we're seeing a resurgence, so to speak, of that in the the Wyatt family and uh, in the Shield. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you What do you think about that? Do you, Do you see these guys, you know, going far as far as trios? Because I know, you know, with the Mean Street Posse, there weren't too many other trios back then. We you know, were, we were a trio. We were a trio for a, a, a totally different reason than what you know what they're using it for. You know, when we were brought in, we were only supposed to be with the company for a few weeks. Right, and I was. Just, oh, okay. I mean, we were there to help Shane promote a match with with X Pac, and we had zero training. And 
you know, our 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 story is is something of uh, you know, uh, it was a fluke. It definitely is a fluke because what happened was the crowd loved hating us so much, and you know what happened was we were there for WrestleMania, and you know Shane had called us about ten days after WrestleMania and said, hey, you know, do you have any vacation time? You you want to come on the road? <clears throat> and you know back then, Raw was live on Monday. And then the next day was taped for the following week. So we only had to take about three three days off every other week. Right. So okay. We both had enough vacation time to do this, and it lasted probably about, I would say, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And we lost the Loser Leaf Town match to Briscoe and Patterson. And, <clears throat> again, not we didn't know anything. We just barely knew how to take a bump. We were throwing our bodies around, just trying to make things the best we possibly could for, for Vince. Right. Because, you know, we, we respect him. He's like another father to us. And Shane's obviously like a brother to us. So we, 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 we threw our bodies around. We beat the hell out of, you know, our bodies just to make the best product we could. And then <laughs> during the Literally Town match, that was supposed to be the end of it. We went home. We were actually kind of bummed out and because uh, we thought it was over. And then I guess, you know, the reaction of the fans, they were – they wanted to bring us back. They loved hating us. So then we got called back into Vince's, uh, Shane's office. And I'll never forget this until the day I die. He had two large envelopes, one for me, one for Rodney. Right. He said, we want to offer you three one-year deals. Wow. Whoa. So, I mean, I literally took his envelope, went downstairs into the parking garage at Titan Tower, and let out a scream like you wouldn't believe I was so happy because we loved, I mean, who wouldn't love that opportunity? You know, I, I mean, this is something oh, no. I had dreamed of since, since 1979 when I saw some guy named Terry Hogan or Hulk Hogan, you know, yeah. working for, mm-hmm. you know, on Channel 9 at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. You know, I mean, it's always something I had dreamed of. So That's incredible. You know, Thanks. so then what happened was in order for us to then get up to speed, they hired Joey Abs. Right. who was named after Joey Abazia, a friend of ours. And it was really Jason Hart out of North Carolina. So then that's the reason why we were a trio. But otherwise, we would have just stayed a tag team if we had, you know, if we had any training prior. Right. Okay. Now, now you mentioned that you barely knew how to take a bump. Uh, I know this is purely hypothetical, and, you know, we can speculate all day long, but you, you, I'm sure you do keep up with the current product, so you know about uh, the Performance Center that was just recently yep. built, and of course NXT. Do you think we would see the Misery Posse going a little bit further if you had the Performance Center and NXT back then? We had we had uh, Memphis Championship Wrestling at the time, right? And at the time there was there was a, a they had a, a we called it a minor league back then. They had a minor league in Louisville and a minor league in in Memphis. So we were with a part of a group called Memphis Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, which was ran, run by uh, Terry, Terry Golden. Uh-huh. So what happened was we learned from Do- Dr. Tom Pritchard in Stanford for about a year. So like when we weren't doing TVs Sunday through through Wednesday, we were then meeting Dr. Tom and Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We were then doing stuff with him in Stanford at Titan Tower in their studio. Right. So after a while, there's only so many basic bumps he could teach you you have to learn a philosophy of a match. It's much more for the fans that are listening that don't know. There's 
there's a philosophy to a match, and it, it takes a lot more than just you know learning how to take a fall. You have to you have to learn how to get the crowd into a match. Uh, someone like Undertaker is like the master of it. Triple H is the master oh, yeah. of it. Right. You know, uh, they know how to get a crowd going. Um, and you don't get that experience just in a gym with Dr. Tom learning how to take a fall. So they sent us to Memphis to learn how to, <clears throat> to learn how to wrestle and do and do matches. You know, during that time when we weren't on television. Now sometimes we would be in Arkansas wrestling in front of six people, and you know, you know, the crowd of guys that we were that were there are a lot of names that people people know of. To, you know, now Daniel Bryan was there when we got there. Shortly after we got there, Daniel Bryan, Lance Cade, Sankey, yeah. mm-hmm. all those guys came in afterwards. Now, the guys that were were there when we got there, Blue Meanie was there. Uh, R-Truth was already there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was guys there. So, I mean, we were we were working against some of the some of the guys that are some of the biggest names now. You know, I mean, for so we all you know we all got to be very close and. You know, uh, William Regal was one of my trainers. Jimmy Anvil Neinhart was another one. Oh, wow. Um, oh, cool. Bobby Eaton was a trainer of ours. So, I mean, we were learning from some of the best in the business. Yeah, there's there's definitely, so. a, there's definitely a hell of an art to it, and I, I have tremendous respect for these guys that put oh, their yeah. bodies on the line day in, day out. I mean... It takes years to learn this kind of stuff, and I, I wanted to ask you also. I mean, when you guys when you guys arrive there, you, you get the deal, and, and you show up to TV, and you're on there. How, how does the locker room, you know, react to you guys? Were they were they receptive to you? Did you come into any issues, any kind of hazing or anything like? What was your experience like? We didn't have any hazing, and I believe the reason why we didn't have any hazing was because of our relationship with the McMahon family. Right. So um, you felt like you felt like you were protected in a sense. No, yeah, but in a way. We didn't want to be. We, are, you have to learn. You have to gain respect in this business in some way, somehow. And you know, back when we were doing it, you know, a lot of guys. You come into a locker room. You know, there's certain, you know, unwritten rules that you, you know you go in. You have to shake everyone's hand mm-hmm. when you get there. You shake everyone's hand when you leave. Um, there's a lot of respect involved in this business, and uh, you know, we getting there, we we didn't have. The way a, a normal route that where everyone um, in that business gets there, you know, guys like Stone Cold going and wrestling for uh, twenty five bucks a night, eating you know pounds of potatoes to survive, and you know we didn't pay those dues in that way. You know, we weren't making as much as those guys, but right. you know, we we had we had to pay our dues in different ways, and that was basically getting uh getting our asses kicked night in night out, and putting people over and taking chair shot to the head by like guys like Bradshaw. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> so there brutal. was there's a different way of paying your dues and you know we, we over time we did you know we did gain the respect of some of these guys. Right. I know that Bradshaw told me uh about six months it was this I even know the date just because I, I was I'm starting to write a book. I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in it or if I'm going to continue it. But yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that at some point because I I know you did an interview. I want to say with the with the torch uh, maybe six months back or more, and you had mentioned uh, interest in writing a book. So I, yeah, definitely uh, any information you've got as far as uh, uh, you know how that's progressing, I'd love to hear about that. Uh, yeah, uh, just to quickly go back go to that. Yeah. Uh, we uh, I'm currently uh, WWE. I contacted them see if they would uh, be interested in 
and backing me on this book. Right. Uh, what happened was their head book guy contacted three publishers, and one publishing company wanted to do a book with all the jobbers. Basically, remember what about someone taking your idea? Yeah. It was one of those things that now, that, that company was talking about being <clears throat> taking that idea and talking to all the jobbers of that attitude era and writing one book. Oh, I see. So that's how things work. So that's why I said, fine, you know, I'm, I'd love to be a part of that, but I'd also love to write my own book. But that's why I was asking if there was any interest there, like, or I'd be wasting my time writing that book. No, I think, I think there is. I mean, especially somebody like you who, you know, you grew up with Shane and, and, you know, you made it to the WWE and, and you and you were a part of the most popular time of all time with wrestling. I, hell yeah, I'm I'm interested. Chris, I know oh, you've got to be interested. Yes. I mean oh, that's of, of course. People love to read that stuff. You know, I, I think that, you know, people have a general interest with, you know, the <clears throat> the inner workings of different time periods and, and people's experience of how they get that contract when they get there and and what that experience is like and you know that kind of stuff. I, Pete, I think people would definitely be interested in a book. Yeah, I think uh, you know, in, in one of the a few of the chapters would touch on this whole thing that we started talking about a couple minutes ago with this whole respect thing. Yes, yeah. And how you know how there's a part in in this business where you have to earn that respect and yeah, there were guys that they were hard to they were hard enough to crack, you know, as far as like getting them you know, they everyone would talk to you, they'd, you know, try to help you, they'd try to be a you know, a part of you know, they'd try to give you some advice. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't easy to come by. You know, like that was a thing in this business where you know, you, you start out and you <clears throat> you try to get uh sorry guys, I'm fighting a cold. Oh, that's all um, right. That's okay. That's okay. You know, there's a part you know, like we would have to uh, we'd have to go through and you know and and you know the younger guys back then, which are not young anymore, like Prince Albert and Test and Val Venus, those guys, yeah. Edge and Christian. To this day, you know they're good friends of mine. You know, I just uh, they were there. I guess they understood it a little bit. They knew what it was like. Yeah. But then again, when they were doing their tryout at Titan Tower, Rodney and I were working out at the gym there, so we we got to know them on a personal level prior to us getting there. Well, that probably helps too. <laughs> yeah. But then you got the other guys like Bradshaw and stuff, you know, like that chair shot that he gave me on December 13th of 1999, um, was like the lug boot of the week for two weeks straight because he literally wrapped that thing around my head. And he told me about six months later, I earned his respect that day. Right. <clears throat> because, you know, I didn't complain about it. We went backstage. I thanked him, and we went on. But meanwhile, you know, my head was ringing. But, you know, you can't show any weakness in this business or else, you know, what could I do? I couldn't complain about it. I just had to do it, and then I knew that was the only way I'd get respect in the locker room. Well, yeah, I think the moment you show any weakness, it, it's over, you know? I mean, people yeah. are just going to eat you alive, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that time that maybe they thought you were taking spots from them. You know, there's probably guys that, whether they're going to say it or not, they're definitely, I think they would have that feeling. I mean, I'm just guessing on that, but I, that's how I feel oh. about it. Yeah, you know, the other thing, another thing I wanted to touch on in the book was right. because of our relationship with the McMahon family, we were also, you know, there was, they used it to their advantage as far as them uh, making money. Right. <clears throat> but at the same sense, you know, like 
every time there's a t-shirt idea, they shut it down. Anytime, you know, there, there were no such thing as, uh, you know, action figures, t-shirts. Right. You know, we barely made one, a couple of video games. We made it in there as like hidden characters. Um, they didn't want to give us the opportunity because they didn't want to show any favoritism towards team friends for a reason. They didn't want us to get any negative, you know, uh, reaction in the locker room where it could have hurt us. Yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, if, you know, all of a sudden you see like three oh. Mean Street Posse shirts up, you know, and and different action figures, and people probably they're not gonna they're not gonna take nicely to that. I don't I don't think. I mean, remember the movie The Blair Witch Project? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they had a T-shirt called The Green Witch Project. <laughs> they had done this whole idea, and it was a great T-shirt. I mean, it was they had showed it to us, and we were we were you know, and it never got accepted because, again, you know, they didn't want us to have a negative reaction in the locker room. I mean, we didn't even have, because of our relationship, we weren't allowed to get stock options as an IPO when the company went public back in, uh, back in 2000. Right. Yeah. 2000. Yeah. We weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to get stock options. Wow. Whoa. That's, uh, that, that's something else. That's interesting. Uh, before we get to, cause I, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a few more here. I know we agreed on a half an hour and I I don't want to, I don't want to hold you too long, but I I do want to, um, as far as just one or two more attitude error things before we move on, uh, do you have any like cool stories about either, uh, Austin or, or rock or maybe one of each? Do you have any kind of cool stories you want to share about these, these guys who are the biggest figures in my opinion of the attitude era? Well, I mean, you know, a guy like The Rock, it's easy. I mean, he was such a perfectionist on everything he did. And, uh, you know, like, we were so green. The very first episode of SmackDown, you know, we had we went, I, we went had a run-in on, on The Rock and Sock Connection. And just the, the, the thing about him is he was such a good good person and, and such a perfectionist. And uh, I just, you know, every, you went over a match with him and he made sure that you were, you know, just at every spot at every second you're supposed to be there and everything you did with him, right. you, you nailed it because of who he was and how he, how he, you know, it's not a surprise to me that he's accessible is as, as successful as he is. Oh yeah. He's huge. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because of his, him being a perfectionist basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, he, 2013, I think is probably his biggest year of his career ever whether it be what he did in wrestling or, or acting and uh, we just put an article on the shootonline.com last week about how he just got picked up by hbo the show that he's working on with mark Wahlberg called uh ballers so he's uh, he's got all kinds of stuff going on yeah and it's a, it's a credit to him just for who he is as far as you know as a person as a human being and you know he always remembers you know, the guys that you know helped him along the way as well you know he's, he's just he's a straight up he's a normal guy and right. at the same sense, he, he's a perfectionist. I, I I can't speak more highly of the guy. Very cool. And then, and then, what awesome. about Austin? You have you have anything uh, quick on Austin to share with us? Uh, just Stone Cold. He um, he's a t- he he is one of my favorites of all time. You know, as a when when I was working there, I I, I watched everything he did. I I follow you know I follow everything to this day. I try to you know he's just. I remember talking to him when I saw him back at the uh, 15-year anniversary. He just got through doing that movie where he had to go to an island and every person got, I forgot the name of the movie, uh, Con- Condemned? Oh, uh, yeah, Condemned, yeah. Yeah, yeah The Condemned. And I, you know, I walked up to him and 
he used to joke with us all the time. You know, he we used to walk by and it was the same joke every time. But it, it, to him, I guess it never got old. But <laughs> it was it was funny. Like he would every time he saw us, no matter what he was doing or who he was talking to, he would yell, "Posse, I thought you said pussy." And he, just, <laughs> he, he would say it at the top of his lungs every time, and he'd always have like a cup of coffee in his hand or right a, a, a spit cup or something going on. <laughs> And it was funny, you know, we always laughed at it. So I see him in the, in the anniversary show, and sure enough, he yells the same thing. And I go over, and I shake his hand, tell, you know, told him how much I enjoyed the movie. And you know, he's like, thanks, you know, he said he had, we had a great time to get in, and blah, blah, blah. And he just, <clears throat> it's just that whole, that whole attitude era. Yeah. What I understand from talking to guys now is so much different in the locker room than it is today. That. Uh, it was much more of a family atmosphere. Guys were working together as a team, putting guys over, trying to help each other out. And from what I hear now, it's not like that. Well, it, it, the it, people it, I talk to. to add on to that, to, to kind of support that, I mean, you know, all these re- there's a lot of these wrestlers, uh, Cena, Punk, Big Show, Orton, they have their bus, you know, they, they, they kind of do their thing and they get back on their bus uh, before the show. They're on the bus. They find out what they got to do for the day. Then they get back on the bus and, there's not that I don't think there's that interaction, at least from, you know, what we read on the Internet and things like that. But I I, I just, you know, I, it's interesting to me uh, that whole bus life of, you know, getting on and off the bus and, and kind of not really having that locker room atmosphere more like you're talking about. Right. And, you know, the bus thing's a great idea. It's cool. I understand it, you know, especially if you have the money. Yeah. You know, you could just get in a bus. You don't have to worry about getting jamming four guys in a car and, you know, taking turns driving or, you know, Hoping a guy doesn't fall asleep. You got one guy riding shotgun trying to stay awake like we used to do. And, right. You know, yeah. that stuff That stuff makes the character. I mean, I've told stories on the road about other guys that, you know, like us driving and, and the other, you know, me street posse is in one car and then the other car is like Prince Albert, Val Venus, and, and Test. And, you know, we used <laughs> oh, to throw, God. you know, Test tried to light a bag of shit and, and throw it in our car, <laughs> you know, and just like, like stuff going on, like like we stuff on the road that just brought us closer together, and and you know, even stuff like you said, guys just stay in their in their buses until it's time to come work, and you know, like back in back in that day, you know, Godfather and I used to be uh, domino partners, right? And we used to play against Taker and Kane, nice. and then Rikishi awesome. and, and uh, Prince Albert were uh, were a team, and we'd play for hours. You know, we'd start. Uh, I guess because I was low man on the totem pole, I had to, I had to carry the in my bags. I had to carry the uh, dominoes. Right. So you know we get there, we'd have lunch. So twelve thirty or so, we we break out the dominoes and we just play for hours until it was time to go over a match for the show. And yeah, you know, we it, it was that camaraderie. You know, and you know the uh, there was uh, the other thing was there'd be a TV set and like um see I can't think oh Mark Henry. Right. And what was the Blue Meanie partner? Stevie, Stevie Richards? Uh, yeah, Stevie Richards. Yeah. Big Stevie. The video cool. game guy. Yeah. So he would always have his video game system and maybe playing Madden football or <laughs> college football or just, you know, they were, and for hours they'd just be playing, you know, and it was just a camaraderie that was built. It was almost like being, it brought me back to like the days of college. Right. When I, I played for UConn. And it was like you had the locker room atmosphere, but it was just different. You had to go to class. It was a different type of atmosphere. Yeah, it's just, it, was, it was nicer, and, I, and they, they say it's not like that now. Yeah, that's that's definitely that. That sounds like you know what what we've heard as well. Um, right. Just just a few more rapid fire. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, CM Punk walking out? What's your take on that whole thing? 
I'm so glad you brought this up. Yes. Because I was going to bring this up. <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah. I completely agree with this guy. Yeah. And as much as I love the McMahon family, as much as, and listen, I understand why they do it. You know, their WrestleMania is their Super Bowl. They try to get as many buys as they can, and, and I, I get all that. You know, you want to have the big names. But his comments about him breaking his, you know, him breaking his ass, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan breaking his ass. Yeah. These guys are there every yeah. single night getting it done. And, you know, I understand. See, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword because I understand where he's coming from. And then, you know, he always wanted to be the main eventer at WrestleMania. Yeah, but, you know what? So is every other fucking guy in that locker room. Yeah. And, you know, I understand. But his point, though, where he says, you know, you know I'm, I'm the one here. And then they bring in, say, The Rock for for a couple months. And then he goes off and makes three or four moves. Yeah. You know, I yeah. get all that. I, I understand his point for that. And then Batista. But it is a business. And he's, you know, he is thinking of it from a business standpoint. You know, he gets in the main event. That's his, his sales go up on his shirts. They're already up there. He's, he's I think he's number two. Yeah. In the, in the uh in the company. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like I see all that. I see that side of the business where, you know, he gets a bigger payday at WrestleMania. He gets all, you know, the notoriety and all that other stuff. You know, the, you know, whether he goes on Kelly and Michael or whatever the, all the shows he wants to go on. But, you know, I understand from that point, but I kind I do agree with him where, you know, they're breaking their ass, but, you know, I guess, you know, Vince is always like the larger than life, Super freakish looking, like yeah. cartoon character looking guy. <laughs> Absolutely, he always has. I mean, I remember being a kid working out at the gym, like just just out of college, right. basically. And he would have bodybuilders come out and try out for wrestling because he wanted that freak show body. You know, a guy like you know, a guy like Cena, oh, a yeah. guy like Batista, oh, man, you know, The man. Rock. These guys all have that body that just make you say, you know. It's and you know nowadays because it's not the attitude there, it's almost like it's it is kind of cartoonish now because he wants he wants to, that that makes the kids interested because it's like oh well, you know that's their new hero you right. know what I mean it's their Superman it's like he's you trying to, I mean? it's like he's trying to go back to the success he had with Hulk Hogan in in the eighties you know that big superhero John Cena is right. you know Hulk Hogan essentially I mean he's different on on a on a wide variety of things but I you know <clears throat> that's where they're trying to go it seems like to me so no question I and, and like I said you know I I'm glad you brought it up it's it's a definitely a controversial topic where you, I could see both sides I could see the front office's side of it I could see you know I could see I could definitely see Punk's side of it well and, you know, it, like, and, and it's telling <laughs> it's telling though Pete in 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 the fact that he did it before mania it's telling in his character rather a he really stays gone and he and he didn't hang around just to get that wrestlemania payday and then walk out or b uh he walked out before mania to try to get leverage if they strike a deal and he comes back so it's showing of, of the character either way no matter how it comes out i think it's going to be an interesting story to watch uh going into mania and then afterwards whether he comes back or not and and to kind of put a bow on that do you think he's going to uh you think he's going to uh come back do I, I think someday he will be back. I do. But I also agree with Stone Cold's comments, if you heard his comments on this, yeah, that he was stupid for doing it before Mania. Why not get the big check? You're going to get a big check either way. you know. And that, But he's making a statement, and I understand that. I get that. But he could have been, from what I understand, the, the rumors were that he was going to fight Triple H 
right. at Mania. You know, it was it was going to be a big match. Um, you know, the one last year against Taker, did anyone really think that he was going to be Taker? No way. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, like, <clears throat> you know, I just don't, you know, I don't know. I just, what I'm just trying to say is I, I see his point and I understand it. I just think you, you, you my standpoint and his standpoint were, I, we, we come from two different perspectives, you know, like, sure. I was happy. I, you know, you have to understand from, from the mean street posse standpoint, we were, were lucky enough to get an opportunity. We made the most of that opportunity. You know, the McMahon family and the writers said, here are two guys that have athletic ability, athletic background. Let's give them an opportunity. Now we took that ball and ran with it. It did last three years. And because of that, you know, we were, we made the most of that opportunity. Right. And that's, I think people don't, and that's part of what the book is about is how, you know, the WWE gave two guys a shot. And what we did was we, we beat the shit out of our bodies not knowing what we're doing for the best of this business. Yeah. And, you know, not to quote Triple H, but that's just how it came out. The, um, you know, that's, that's just what happened. We came out there and we did whatever we had to do in order to make the, the best show we possibly can with our, whatever knowledge we had. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, you know, like, you know, I've heard, I've heard criticism all the time, you know, the street posse sucked, blah, blah, blah. But if you understood, and not, not many people do, you know, if you watch Tough Enough, if you watch all these other shows, you see these guys trying to, you know, it's, uh, that Diva show where the girl took her boyfriend to try out. Yeah. And the guy uh-huh. couldn't make it. He gassed well, out pretty quickly. He gassed out. But this is what, we did it. Yeah. We did it with no experience going live around the world on live television, and we did it. And no one seems to understand. They see it as a character, which is fine. I get that. But a true wrestling fan, the guys that, you know, like I see all the comments, you know, people put stuff on my Facebook, all that, about how, you know, we sucked and everything. That's fine. I get it. That's fine. It's part of being a heel. Right. I understand it. But that that person doesn't understand what it took to get to that point. To get to, to wrestle in WrestleMania. To actually have the office say, you know what? All right. He's going to win the belt for 30 seconds, but he's still going to win the belt. They can never take that away. No, not at all. I mean, you uh-uh. you put your body on the line, and 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 you earned your spot there. You 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 got put in a position, and you made the most of it. I don't think anybody that really gets it can fault you for that. And the other the other thing the other thing is, the guys, you know, they put us in there, and we weren't going against other independents. We were going against the best in the business in this industry, and we were making them look that much better. Right, and having no training. That's, I think people kind of forget that or don't even think about that part because they just think about the character and how much they hated it. So, I mean, for what it's worth, that's, that's to me, that I always have, I'm always proud of. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, like I said, the true wrestling fan always comes over and says, thank you. You know, you have no idea how much we love that character, you know. And it, it means a lot when you hear that. Absolutely, Chris. I think okay. has a, he wants to shift gears for a moment. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I did. Uh, I don't want to, going back to the CM Punk thing, and I I listened to the interview he did with uh, Ariel Helwani, and one of the things that came up was uh, pay per view buys. They they, okay. they weren't really they weren't really sure the uh, what, what they were going to get paid for uh, right because I, I know I know back then you guys that that, that was an issue because the WWE networks right around the corner, and right. of course all the pay per views are going to be. 
you know, included in that monthly fee, and they're wondering how it's going to affect the the paper, you know, the pay per view payouts. I I'll tell you what I I'm not I have no idea what's going on, but I'm for years for decades they've been saying there's going to be a they wanted to put together a union. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about paychecks becoming a fraction of what they were, you're gonna you're gonna find that there's gonna be some kind of there has to be. I mean, the, if a guy, if a guy's making X amount of dollars, say, we'll just throw a round number, a hundred thousand dollars for WrestleMania, right? And now all of a sudden, because of this network, you know, I mean, I don't know what it costs to to, to run the thing, but you're talking about if someone normally pays, say, on average, forty dollars, you know, every, for you know, for twelve months, yeah, you know, that's four hundred eighty dollars. Now all of a sudden they're paying a fraction of that. You know they're paying, you know, a quarter of it. Now what? You know, like where, that money's got to go. So, you know, they're they're not going to be giving it to these guys. These guys are going to get upset. They're either, you know, it's going to be one of those things where I didn't get to finish what I was saying before. I because I I kind of go off on these little tangents and I I go That's away. Right. But like, go ahead, man. What I was going to say right. before was about, and it, it's all related. Like CM Punk, you know, I, we, with the paydays and stuff, we were just glad to be there. And any paycheck we got. We were excited to get it. Yeah. Um, either in the future, guys have to start being like that and just be happy that they have a job because there's really no place else to go. Yeah. And salaries are going to start coming down, and you're going to have to either, you know, there's going to be a few elite guys like your Cena's and stuff like that that are, have guaranteed deals, and and they have, you know, the T-shirts coming in and and sweatbands or whatever the hell else they sell, <laughs> yeah. because, but the pay-per-view money is not going to be what it, what it is. So it's either they're going to, I don't see, you know, people getting raises. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, or maybe there'll be more guaranteed money contracts. I, I, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that, but if you have, if enough guys start really getting, you know, guys getting beat up, you know, you don't realize what a toll this stuff takes on your body. Yeah. Now I've also heard rumors that they may do, seasonal things where they may actually take time off. They should. I can't see how that's going to happen. Yeah. Or at least give certain guys time off. Well, I, I think I think they should build it in. You know, if they go back to some some sort of long-term storytelling, I think you can write in to where you can get a guy off TV for a little while if you, if you plan ahead. And I think it, it backs up everything that writers have said on this show where they talk about, you know, there's no long-term planning anymore. It's week to week. And I think if they were to go back to this sort of a semblance of planning things out as best as they could, because let's face it, you know, they're not in a Monday Night War thing. They don't have to, uh, you know, no. book on the fly anymore. There's no reason to. There's no competition. TNA is not on exactly. their radar as much no, as people want to think that they are. Um, but if they were to go back to that, I think that they could build in some some time off for these guys if they plan ahead and think, you know, think things out a little better. Well, the other thing is, too, I know that, I, has it has it been resolved with the I, the last I saw it hasn't been with uh, NBC has it been resolved with you know, they cut a deal the uh, the deadline ended uh, at the end of last week so now uh, I, as far as I know there's not a deal in place yet so we may find out this week if they're going to start going to in other words the exclusive window of negotiating has ended so now they can hear other offers okay so the only the only other thing I can think of but I don't see it happening is. If they get an astronomical number, a bit, a huge number from NBC or whatever station, so I know there was a 140 million. If yeah. they if they double it, maybe then giving a, a larger slice to the talent. But 
I mean, whether they do that or not, I don't, I, I don't see that. But that's another possible option. Well, let me let me for the difference in the pay-per-view money. Well, let me ask you this though, uh, as a follow-up to this, because you know, Punk in his interview, what was it, two three weeks ago, had Mm -hmm. mentioned that they still have not been told what they're going to get, and by everything that we've heard online, they still have not been told what they're going to get. And this thing's launching now in eight days. Uh, I just cannot, in my mind, figure out how they have not set out. You know, the the McMahon's or whomever have not set out. You know, hey, this is how it's going to work. You know, before this thing launches, and then you have these guys with this assemblance of we don't know what's going on. And I personally don't think that that's right. I think that they should set out and say, hey, look, this is how it's going to work. You know, either you like it or you don't, but, you know, set out some sort of a plan before this thing is, is you know, before the parts are moving and this thing is live to the world, you know? Well, are, are you talking, I don't know. As far as the payouts. As far as the payouts for the, for the, for, for, for the, the pay-per-views? For, yeah, they've, apparently they've not been told yet <laughs> what they're going to get. And this thing launches in eight days and they're still have not been told by management um, right. how it's going to go out. I mean, you would think that they would want to, they would want to know before this network launches what they're going to get when these pay-per-views come around. You would yeah, think. I, like I said, I don't know. I, I, uh, I saw office supplies. I don't know what they do on their side <laughs> right. or what they do in there. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of deal punk has. I just know back when I was there, it was, it was a different type of pay scale. And you got a percentage depending on where you were on the card is what you got paid. Right. And anyone on that card on that match got X amount of dollars. Now, I don't know how it works currently. Um, and, you know, obviously these guys have a lot sweeter deals since they're all driving around in their own personal buses. But, um, well, some guys probably more than others, I would, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. No, I understand that. You know, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. I just, I don't know what to, I don't know, I don't know what the deal is. I don't, like I said, I'm not involved with that. I, work for a completely different company but sure i can you know i know if i were punk and if this would be a concern of mine as well as i'm sure it is to everyone else in that locker room um you know i just think it's there's one thing that i also you know we were talking about punk and how you know like he was upset and kind of took his ball and went home and all that other stuff yeah but like you see the other guys like and i understand they all want to be the top guy like Dolph Ziggler, i think so you know i think he oversells but I think he's a fantastic talent. Um, there's other guys. I just, you know, they're, they're, they're upset with their role within the company. And, you know, even Christian, I love Christian like a brother. Yep. I, I, and I truly mean that. You know, like these guys, I understand they want to make more money, but there's nothing else out there. The indie circuit's not making money. I don't know where, you know, like I don't know. Like, trust me, I would rather wrestle and make $100,000 a year or $200,000 a year, then do what I'm doing now, and, you know, put on a suit every day. Sure. Now, no offense to what I do for a living. I love what I do for a living, but, you know, that there's, there's no greater job than doing what you're doing, you know, as far as with the WWE and getting out in front of that crowd and cheering that crowd, whether they loved you or hated you, you get this rush inside you that is unexplainable. Yeah, I mean, you, you've, and, you, you've had that experience, so definitely. I, I can only imagine, I mean... You know, I would if I if I had been there, Pete, at the time when you were there and had that opportunity. Hell yeah, I'd love to still be there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like yeah. these guys, you know, like the worst feeling you can get, mm-hmm. and any guy that's no longer with this company is the day you get released, right? And the day that mm-hmm. the 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 reality sinks in and it's over. Yeah. You know, like 
um, especially like, you know, we talked about that era, you know, like where I had that camaraderie, you know, how many guys could say they went and they played dominoes every day with Taker, Kane, and Godfather? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, That's a hell like, of a cast uh, of characters. Yeah, you know, I mean, having a great time, you know, like, and Taker's one of the greatest guys in the business, you know, just as a human being, let alone as a, as a, as a, as a talent, you know, and to be able to just go ahead and, you know, and have that opportunity to do that instead of, you know, my job after wrestling, I went and I worked down on Wall Street. I had to sit in the same chair. I couldn't leave it. I barely had any time to go to the bathroom because I was trying to cut deals right. on Wall Street. And it's what a difference, you know, when you're sleeping in and going to the gym and heading over to the arena compared to being up at 5 o'clock, getting a workout in, and then going to sit in front of a desk in, in front of a computer all day long. You know, and it's just, it's it's two different animals, you know, trying to, because I wanted to try to make the money that I was making at WWE. Sure. So it's just, what I'm saying, the the purpose of what I'm saying that for is sometimes these guys don't realize how good they really do have it. And, you know, whether or not they're making the money, you know, that everyone wants to make Cena's money, Rock's money and all that. But the fact that you're making money doing something that you love to do I mean, not many people could say that. No, definitely not. I think uh-huh. I think you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan. I think he wants to reach that level of a John Cena. I think he's getting close, but I think also fans are getting frustrated because he's not. You know, he as much as he's gotten so popular, he's still not at that very very top. And that's one other thing I wanted to ask you about was was this whole Daniel Bryan thing. Where do you fall on this? Where you know what's your take on that whole thing? My, I, I've known Daniel Bryan since he was nineteen years old as a kid that just came out of. Shawn Michaels Wrestling School and, and was with me in Memphis, Tennessee, right for for over a year. And you know he was a quiet kid, very similar. You know he, he's a little bit more outspoken now. He's he's a man. You know he's grown up, but yeah. you know he's he's a, he, he's an amazing talent. I mean the guy can do anything in the ring. He's he's you know just a, you know unbelievable when it comes to the ring. And I don't think you know the company knows what they're doing. You know I. I yeah, I think every storyline has a little bit of truth to it. Right. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and, and again, Vince always loved the cartoon-looking character, like the, the superhero-looking, the Cena-type guy. And, you know, but this whole thing with, you know, Daniel Bryan, he's so over right now with this crowd. He It's force-fed. And they know what they're doing. They're going to give him his opportunity. It's kind of like we talked about the story. This is maybe the one story that is dragged out a little bit. Yeah. Because uh-huh. eventually, you got to give the guys, give the crowd what they want, and they want to see this. You know, they want this. That's you know, when you have Michigan State, their their college basketball crowd, doing this chant, and Daniel Bryan is not within five states of the, of the place. Right. I mean, there's there's a reason for it. I mean, the guy's over, so he'll get his chance. I mean, should they be doing it sooner? Yeah, probably. I mean, I I think he'll be in a triple threat match. My personal opinion in WrestleMania, but I don't know. Well, selfishly, I, I hope guess, so. S- selfishly, so I, selfishly, I hope so because I just bought <laughs> tickets uh, because I have this feeling that they're going to give him a big moment and that I'll be able to be there live and experience it. So, okay, yeah, should be interesting. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Uh, finally, Pete, you, God damn, you've been so gracious with your time, and we do appreciate it. Uh, the McMahons, how often do you, do you talk to them these days? Uh, well, I the last time I spoke to Stephanie was over over the fall when I had a. And, you know, this is a credit to this family. I mean, no, no one really 
people just see this, the characters that they play on television. But I mean, this, this family is such a great family, uh, personally to me, and, and just in general. I mean, they do so much for the, the community and everything else. Um, but on a personal level, Stephanie heard that I, I, you know, I wanted to talk to her regarding a book and she took, I forgot what month, I want to say it's like September. She took time out of her schedule on a Monday night after a pay-per-view at 4.30 in the afternoon. Now this is right around the time when the writers are, you know, changing scripts and all that other stuff. She took an hour out of her time to talk to me and we spent probably... The first, out of the hour, 35 minutes, catching up on, you know, how's the family, how's your daughters, you know, how's your family, you know, like, you know, talking about me, I, you know, I'm get, getting married this uh, fall. Oh, congratulations. You know, just, thank you. Just catching up on all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, we talked and get down to business, and I couldn't thank her enough. So, I mean, I don't talk to Stephanie as much as I'd, I'd like, you know, I, we just two different lifestyles. Yeah. Now, Shane, on the mm-hmm. other hand, I probably talked to him. He's going to be one of my uh, best men at my wedding, and he is. Oh wow! I probably talk to him probably, got maybe like once every two to three weeks. Oh wow! Uh, three weeks Ooh. to a month, maybe. It's it's it, dep- it all depends on his schedule. Yeah. A lot of times, it's just shooting a text saying, you know, hey, what's going on? I know that um, Buzzfeed did an article on him recently, and they they wanted to speak to me to help, you know, to ask some more personal stuff and. Sure. And uh, so I did do some of that, and then but it, the article was supposed to be out uh, a few, a couple weeks ago, but it still hasn't come out yet. So I don't know when they're gonna um, put that article out. What, what What were they wanting to know? Just like how you guys, like your childhood, <laughs> being friends and stuff like yeah, that. Kind of the standard stuff, you know how how we all, uh, you know that we really are lifelong, you know, childhood friends, and how we all met, and you know how we how this whole thing came about, uh, came about with Mean Street Posse, what it was like. Right. You know, in the beginning, you know, the, the other thing we talked about before, how you know, we didn't get any special treatment, you know, and, and if, at first, yep. we got the, it was riding on the road and Shane used to drive with us. And it was, a, I mean, three kids that grew up together on the road. It was amazing. Must be like it a was, college you know, like, party. Sorry, it must be like, it must be like a college party every night or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, it was just a lot of laughs and a lot of, ball busting and you know stuff like when we were in high school you know yeah. and oh yeah and uh but then what happened was vince kind of dropped the hammer and said shane you, you can't show favoritism you can't go on the road with these guys you gotta so he actually started riding you know in a, in a separate car or what is that i forgot how he, he ended up traveling right and he explained to us, you know, i can't be on the road with you guys you know as much as i'd like to be because you know there's uh you know i don't want any favoritism being shown or anything like that even though it wouldn't, I mean, you couldn't show any more favoritism in some of the guys' eyes because of who we were and how we got involved. Sure. But, you know, if T-shirts were coming out, and then it would be a money thing, kind of like with what CM Punk's going through now. You know, like, you know, they have a T-shirt, we don't, the whole thing like that. So. Yeah, you don't want to start this whole mess with the, with the locker room. Okay. Uh, what, uh, was, was Shane like a level-headed kind of guy when you met him as a child? Like, I mean, you know, you know, his dad is, you know, he owns this big WWF, you know, I mean, was he a level-headed guy when, when you met him, you know, a long time ago? Here is a comment that I give to everyone and I can't express it to you guys enough. Okay. The best compliment I can give you about the McMahon family is that with all the money that they have, you would never know it. Really? And what I mean by that is... Huh. They are 
everyday group of people. They're not, they, they don't think their shit doesn't stink. They're, they're nice people. They'll come up, they'll talk to you. I have friends that see Mrs. McMahon in, in the grocery store or, you know, up at the shopping center getting, buying stamps or whatever she's doing. And, you know, people come up to her and they say, oh, you know, I'm friends with Pete. And she says, oh, please tell Pete. I said, how, you you, it's like seeing your next door neighbor's mom. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's just like that. It, it, they're just down to earth, good people. And, you know, they don't act any better than, you know, they don't think they're any better than you or me. They're just, Shane, growing up, you know, we knew who Shane, I knew, Rodney grew up with Shane from uh, elementary school on. Right. In junior high school. But I came in, in in high school and, you know, we all played football together. And, you know, you're, you know Shane and I were both on the offensive line together. And mm-hmm. we got to know each other and it was a different, it was different, you know, like you, you get to know each other and you, right away, at first you're like, oh, you know, father owns WWE, you know, probably stuck up. But then you get to know him. It's like, no, it's not like that. That's Shane. And Shane's right. one of the craziest people I know. <laughs> you know, he right. is, he's, I mean, you see what he does in the ring. Oh, yeah. He did that stuff oh, when man. He was a kid. Yeah, I, and, and, and to go back to something you said at, at the very beginning of our conversation, you were talking about how you first saw Hulk Hogan for the first time in like 79. When, when, you're, yeah. when you meet him, when you meet Shane, I mean, and the McMahon family, like, do they inquire about, you know, if you're a wrestling fan? Like, how does that whole conversation no, come up? Never comes up. Never comes never up. Once never once came up. Wow. They, never once, you know, they never say, hey, are you a fan? None of that. You know, and like, <clears throat> when we were kids, uh, you know, I, Rodney, I know, went to Super uh, Super, oh, Super the Super Dome, I think. No, not the what's the Pontiac Silverdome. Yeah, Silverdome. Yep. He yeah. went to WrestleMania three with Shane because you know, they, they, and that was before that was before we even that was when they were in junior. You know, we were all in junior high school. I didn't know those guys at the time. Right. Um, but you know, uh, you know, like we would go to events and we'd go backstage, and you know, we would be at the garden and stuff. But we were, you know, we we're in high school. You know, like. You know, and LT fought Bam Bam Bigelow in Hartford. We we all, a bunch of guys, we all drove, you know, we were in our 20s. We drove up there with a, you know, a couple of cases of beer and watched, watched that, stayed in the hotel, went to the after party. Oh, wow. So we, stuff like that. I mean, we, we got to, we got to know guys that, you know, that's why we were a little bit more comfortable when we got there. Because sure. some of the older guys like Taker and stuff were kind of cool, you know, they were kind of cool with us. Yeah. So they remembered us when we were kids. But, you know, there's, as far as like, other, you know, we never, they never said, are you a wrestling fan to me? And I never said I was a wrestling fan. It was one of those things where Shane just said, hey, do you want to come to a show? And some guys did, some guys didn't. You know, just if your parents would let you go, you went. If, if not, then so be it. You know, it wasn't like, uh, we didn't yeah. think of, we didn't think of Shane as being, once you got to know him, Shane was Shane. It wasn't like he was uh, Vince's son, Shane. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it like the character about, that we all think yeah, on TV. Right. It was just, and like I said, that's why I love the kid like a brother. I mean, he literally, like, I would do anything for this kid. And, you know, I know he would do it for me. He has, he has done a lot for me in the past year that I can't talk about. Sure. And, and he has done it for, he's done things for friends of mine that have, you know, our, like, our friends. You know, and they're a time and need. Shane is the first one there to help. Wow. And there's times where he wasn't even in the country and got things done. Because that's who he is. Well, and, and knowing Shane as well as you do, did it surprise you when he left uh, WWE a few years ago? Was that a big shock to you? 
sure was. Definitely was. But uh, it seems like it seems like he's got a lot of success going on now, though. He is. Here's one thing he and I always say about each other. Okay. He and I will always land on our feet. He says it to me, and I say it to him. We'll always land on our feet. That guy, he is determined to make you on demand the biggest success it will be. If it kills him, he'll do it. Right. And it's just like with wrestling. Everything the guy does, he he gives it everything he has. You name one pay-per-view that he was a part of where he didn't steal the show. He was incredible. I, I can't, I, I cannot name one. <laughs> no. no yeah, I can't and I mean, whether, whether it's Kurt Angle and he was determined to have Kurt thrown through a plane, uh, through, through glass and he kept bouncing off of it and he kept doing it. Meanwhile, Vince is in the back yelling at the referee in the, in the microphone telling him to move on to the next spot, but Shane wouldn't do it. He had to, he had to go through the glass. Right. Because that was what he wanted <laughs> to do in that match. Or when he's climbing up the, t- the side of the Titantron and going through tables, you know, drop 50 feet in the air or whatever, whatever the height was of that. That's just, you know, even the matches that we, you know, the, the Greenwich Street fight with Test. Yeah. That night, tell me what match was better than that. You can't. No, I have no that answer for everything. that. <laughs> right. Because everything he does, he's, he is a, he's just like Rocky. He's a perfectionist. But he has to make everything over the top. Oh, man. And, he'll, and if he costs him his body, so be it. You talk about the down-to-earth people, Pete. I think you're definitely one of those guys, man. I, I appreciate you so much for taking this time and, and sharing so many great stories with us. Uh, please, if you have anything that you want to plug, promote, uh, please, this is this is your floor to do it. No, I, I mean, if anyone needs office or wants to have me as a rep for office supplies, if you're not already using WB Mason, Right. Just call 888-WB-MAXON and ask to talk to me, and eventually and I'll set you up with an account and take good care of you. Other than that, I mean, guys, thank you. It's been great. I wish I felt better. I could talk a little bit better. I mean, well, although l- I don't seem to have a hard time talking to ever, but... No, no, no. And I-, uh, I, I hope I gave you guys what you want, and hopefully in the future you guys will have me back on. No, no, ab- absolutely. Oh, definitely. I, look, we're, definitely. We're, we're, we're friends now. When it's on Facebook, it's official and all that stuff. But let's uh, let's absolutely follow up in a, in a couple of months. We'll, we'll catch up with you and see where you're at, talk a little current events and things of that nature. And finally, uh, Pete, my best friend, uh, Richie Drake, of over 15 years, will shoot me if I don't ask you this, this final question. Uh, back in the day in the AOL chats, we used to talk to a guy by the name of Pete Gass, the number four, and the letter U. Do you have any connection to that guy? Do you know of him? No. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I had to ask. So There you go, Richie. Okay. There, there you go, Richie Drake. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for okay. your time, and let's talk in a few months. We'll catch up. Sounds great. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pete. See ya. All right, bye-bye.